Today, uh, as we continue our series, we're in this series in Galatians, um, I want to start off with just a, an interesting thought. Isn't it amazing how one new thing can make something old look brand new? As most of you know, I have four daughters, which they're all home right now. They're getting ready to go on vacation, and uh, I'm married. But some of you might not know is in the house that I grew up in, I am one of four kids, so that runs in the family. Uh, but I am the only boy, so I have two older sisters and one younger sister. And I have learned a lot, a lot, uh, from living with all women, obviously I had my dad around, but living with the house being mostly women, 90%. And the one thing that I did learn is that when you are getting ready for a wedding, or a dance, or a birthday party, or coming to church, or Easter, or all these things, is that it's important, oh so important, to get a new dress. Whether it's a wedding, whether it's a, all those things that I, the list is endless. I've learned how important that new thing is because you wouldn't be caught dead at something else wearing the dress that you wore before. It's important to have that new dress, and maybe if you want to rewear the dress, you have new shoes, so on and so forth. So like I said, I've learned a few things uh, from living with all women most of my life, um, that new things sometimes help things look fresh. And the thing that we're, we're going to learn about today is, is that the same thing is actually true about the gospel. Now today we're going to be in Galatians 3, where we've, we've been working our way through Galatians 1, 2, and today we've arrived at chapter 3. And Paul, who wrote this letter, he's kind of been laying things out, and he realizes, I'm going to try changing tactics as we go into this new uh, letter. And up to this point, Paul has done a couple of things. He has established his authority as a minister of the gospel and as an apostle slash disciple. And he's also explained what the gospel is. And we all have that person in our lives that they realize, okay, I've explained it one way, I've explained it another, and now I recognize I need to explain it a third way so that you get my point. And what Paul reveals about the gospel is pretty foreign to a lot of churches and Christians today. And as we take a look at it, as we go through these verses, my prayer is that it makes the gospel look fresh and brand new today. And that's whenever we come to God's scripture, that's our desire is that when we read it, we come at it with fresh eyes and fresh hearts. So today, some of you, you're going to hear every word that I say. You're going to hear Paul's explanation of the gospel and say, I already know that, and that's okay. If you already know that, good. This is a chance to remember it. But even in that, if we understand this passage, if we grasp it and believe it, it should renew your call as a disciple to share the gospel. That's what we're called to do is go and share the good news because it does something to it, to the gospel, that people think is impossible for it. It makes the gospel attainable for all. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come today to your word, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you and honoring to you, God. That as we, we go through this passage, that you, God, would be honored first and that all glory would be given to you. So, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, and pour into our spirits 
your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to go through, we're changing things up a little bit. I'm changing tactics. Uh, as we go through this passage, instead of it being one big chunk, we're going to go through little chunks, and hopefully it'll be a bit more digestible. But our first point today is that we can't conquer sin. And our passage today is Galatians 3, 1 through 3. <clears throat> you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed, was portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning, <clears throat> after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Now, as always, because Paul is such a people person, uh, he starts off strong. I mean, you fools. He, right away, he calls them out. And again, I love Paul. Paul has become one of my, as I've gotten older, I feel I understand him more and more. Um, and I just, I love that his heart is for the gospel and it's reaching people. And as we know, in this passage, he's talking to the people in the Galatian church. And he calls them out. You foolish people. And right away, you don't do that to your friends. Maybe you do. Like, hey, what's up, fool? Maybe you say that. Um, but he's, in this letter, he's, trying, he's not trying to make friends. And right away, he's not making friends. He's also calling out the false teaching. And he points out that they saw Jesus crucified. They're not a generation removed. They, they saw it happen. And even that couldn't keep them from falling into the false gospel that they're believing. And he explains how their, their new belief system doesn't make sense. It really, you, on the nose, it does not make sense. But the real tragedy is that even today, some Christians still have the belief that they think that they can conquer their sin. And they think if they have enough willpower, they can do the right things. Now, what they miss, as they know, as they're looking into this false gospel, what they miss is that we are not perfected by the flesh. And believing this put the Galatians on a spiritual treadmill, just running in place, never making any progress. They're, they're still, I'm just doing the things that I think I'm supposed to be doing, and they're not making progress. The big old hamster wheel. And this is because, and because it, it had them working for something that they couldn't attain. They could not attain their own freedom. If we could be perfected by what we do, then Jesus didn't need to die. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And today we're going to be also bouncing around the, the, the Bible, and, and today we're, we're hopping over to 1 John 1, 8 through 10. And, and this, this first verse is a solemn reminder to all of us, is if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We need to recognize that we do have sin in our life. In verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We recognize our sin. We do need to confess. It's not something that we just need to put it under a rug and hope it goes away. We need to actually come out and say, Lord, I have sinned. Work in me. In verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, this is the harsh reality, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now here we see that again, that over and over in Scripture, 
we see this. God does the cleaning up. Go through the Old Testament and look at all the mess that Israel gets into. And where is God? Right behind with a broom, cleaning it up. We don't do the cleaning up. God does. We cannot conquer sin on our own. And this alone has made a relationship with God a step more attainable because when we realize this, that God's the one who does the cleaning up, we can get off that spiritual treadmill, which if you've ever spent any time on a treadmill, if you see someone smiling on a treadmill, make sure they're doing okay. No one loves being on a treadmill. But we get off that spiritual treadmill that keeps us from getting to Him. Now, Paul continues to explain what makes the gospel even more attainable, and this comes to our second point, is that Jesus, He's already done it. He's already taken care of it. And we're in Galatians verses 3, 4 through 6. Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by your believing what you heard? So also, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, Paul points out to who is the source of all authority, and he asks a simple but powerful question to these people. Of all the miracles and all the things that you have seen and done, why did Christ do so, do them? Was it because you were so great, or because of your faith and surrender to him? Now, Paul being very smart, knowing who he's talking to as he wrote this book. He even caught the Jews in Galatia by surprise. Now, the Jewish people, we know that there were the Jews and the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians, and they were all mixed together. But he wrote this to the Jews. And when we think of Jewish customs, and that list is very long um, of all their customs and laws, we understand that when it comes to their whole focus— when you look at the Jewish faith, their whole focus was the law. And I, because I'm a nerd and do a little bit of digging and research, trying to understand, okay, what, what's important about the Jewish customs? Why were there so many laws? And in fact, there were 613 laws. So we, we know the Ten Commandments, and they're like plus 613. And those are, when, so when you ask, people ask the question, like, what's the difference between Jewish tradition and, and Christian tradition, a whole lot of laws, and that's their focus, and that there hasn't been a Messiah to come yet. And so Paul, he's digging and digging, and uh, he's digging at their foundation because he knows, I got to speak to the people, I need to speak their language. So he starts digging at their foundation to point out that the foundation of the Jewish faith disregards 613 laws, is let's go back to the beginning that the foundation of the Jewish faith was based on Abraham's faith in God. And Paul points out that the foundation of everything in Christianity and Judaism is faith. It's not the law. Now, why is this significant? Why is Nate geeking out over all this? Because not only can we not conquer sin, but again, Christ has conquered it for us. We see in Hebrews 10, 17 through 18, For this reason, he had to be made like them. This is talking about Jesus. He had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. 
because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus conquered sin. Period. End of service. We're, we're good. Jesus conquered sin, and he did it first by stepping into our world on our level. He dealt with what you dealt with, deal with, he, and he dealt with what I deal with, and he broke it all down. And he did that to give us a way out, because the law served its purpose. Jesus was that purpose. And I know I could go through a long list of there is, there is sin in our lives. There are the things that we do. And I don't need to go through, the, we'd be here all day. There'd be over 613 things that we can say, this is an area that I struggle with. And I don't need to air my dirty laundry, but I can tell you that there are things that I do. Eating is one of the things. Last week I joked about high metabolism. I am an emotional eater. And so when I'm stressed, I'm going through the drive through at McDonald's and getting a McChicken, small fries, and a sweet tea. That is my, I need, I need something to feel better. So if you want to get me gift cards to McDonald's this week while I'm away from my kiddos, anyway, um, if you see me at McDonald's, you're like, I know the Nate Johnson special there. I know that when I'm feeling low, when I'm, I'm having a bad day, I know that I can go and I can eat something. And why is that a sin? You might be like, well, first of all, you're eating at McDonald's. And if you love McDonald's, that's fine. But why do we sin? Why do we do, feel like we need to do something? It's so that we can mask pain, so that we can mask things that are, are hurting in us. And so when we do that, when we sin, it's so that we can feel good. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, does me praying to God satiate my hunger or my desire to eat? Maybe not. But I know that when I actually go to the Father, I'm able to say, I'm having a bad week. I just had a fight with Christine. The baby pooped everywhere. <laughs> you know, there are the things. Nate goes to McDonald's a lot, doesn't he? No. Um, there are the things that I, that when I get stressed, that's my, my medicator is going and eating. And the thing is, is I'm sure we, you all have your own story. You all have your thing that maybe you struggle with at times. And I don't know if there is a sin that you have tried to white knuckle, like hands on the steering wheel, which according to Ellie, 10 and 2, hands on the steering wheel, white knuckled your way through it. And when we are living into our sin life, it's like, and we live in the Midwest, so I know I can say this, the first snowfall happens and everyone forgets how to drive. And that's what it's like being, living into sin. It's you're driving along 14th Avenue and you hit an ice patch and your eyes aren't even open and you steer and you hit that and you hit something. We've all been through that moment of where we're just, I'm not trying to pay attention. And when we do that, when we are white knuckling it, that sin, it's going to crush us. And it's, as it crushes us, it's going to keep us apart from God. And this is why Paul writes to the, the, Christian, the Galatians. And he says that self-help has no place. Self-medicating has no place in Christianity. And Paul points to who is our help. And this is the good news. That our faith in him and his completed work is what conquers sin in our lives. Let's continue on in Galatians 3, 7 through 9. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. A scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel 
in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now Paul points out that in faith we receive the power of Christ. And that is what has the power to conquer sin in our lives, not us. It is our relationship with the Father and access to the Holy Spirit through the sacrifice of the Son that can conquer those things that we struggle with. Driving to McDonald's. (laughs) That we're ashamed of. Again, driving to McDonald's. Or that completely control us. That's when I get emails from McDonald's. Those are the, the, the bugs in the system that are like, send Nate coupons to McDonald's. I see people are going to be really concerned about me after today. <laughs> Nate McDonald's. So 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57, and I love this verse because it's been utilized in so many good songs, and it's just, the imagery is so strong. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we rely on the law, we return power to that sin that is conquered, that was conquered in Christ. But why do we do that? Why would we do that? We remember that the law points out to a need, and that need is for Christ. It is the x-ray, not the cast. Paul continues describing Christ's accomplishment um, as we go on in Galatians in verses 10 through, through 14. And we come to our next point, that Christ took on the curse of sin for us. Now, this is a longer passage. So, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, Paul explains that Christ conquered sin, knocked it out, total knockout, by taking the curse of sin that was meant for you and me. He took on our sins so that we would not have to remain bound to them. And he did this so that we could gain access to God. And without Christ, we would have had a much more difficult road to God. But the spirit that we receive and the sacrifice of Christ points us to seeking the righteousness of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Church, because of Christ's sacrifice, the gospel is attainable. It is a gift. And the gospel says that the sanctification comes from God through his Spirit after accepting the sacrifice of Christ. And my prayer is that this renews your view of the gospel and that, your desi- and that you have this desire to live it out because the gospel, it is attainable. Now, to put it very simply, being a Christian is not a checklist. 
If it was a checklist, I know I would have my, my app out and I would say, yep, I didn't eat at McDonald's today. Yep, I prayed. Yep, I read my Bible. It's not a list of do and do nots or do, do this, don't do that. We're not called to be Pharisees. Brought it back around. We need to take a moment every day and just reflect on the fact that Jesus came to set you free from your sin. He came to set us all free. And for most of us, we already know that we are sinners. The law says so. The law says, you know, not just in the 613 Jewish laws, but we know we have our areas where we sin. But Jesus came to free you and me from our sins because we have the Holy Spirit and we now have the choice to follow God or to choose sin. And I think I know where you guys want to land on those, the two sides. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we lift up today to you. And Lord, I pray for our church family just as we hear this word from you, as we think of how we carry ourselves. The Lord, that there are going to be sins in our life, sins that would try to keep us separated from you. Lord, help us daily when we raise our head from our pillow to the moment we put it back down, that we remember your son, that because of his decision to come and, and live on this earth, to live a sinless life, to be the propitiation of your wrath, that we could be saved because of his sacrifice. Lord, help us to remember that love so that when we do have our moments, when we're going to slip up, when we're feeling an urge, we might not out and out say, oh, Lord, I have the urge to sin. But it might be, Lord, I have the urge to do whatever that's going to make me feel good. Lord, we pray that you'd be working in us to remember your word, that he became sin who knew no sin, that he died for us on the cross so that we might live in eternity with you, God. Pray this all in Jesus' name.